This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Welcome to the Real Born and Gunning Show. It's always, I never really know how to introduce it when Kipper's not here. Like, he's still, he's a part of the show, but he is not on the show today. Uh, Kipper couldn't be with us, unfortunately. A little, uh... I don't know. We, you, you don't need details. He's not here. That's all you need to know. But I am joined by Brent Gunning. Gunner, uh, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, fired up. Happy to be here. Draft season uh, doesn't mean a thing for the Leafs unless we get some news. But yeah, I'm, I'm fired up to be here. And yes, as always, it's always important to state uh, me and Nick Kiprios could not be further apart on the ends of like the respect and accomplishing <laughs> things spectrum. So yes, no Kipper today, but filling in somehow in his stead uh, is Brent Gutting. Yes, very happy and to be here today. Of course, uh, Josh Santos on tech. We got Sammy McKee. Uh, Sammy, how you doing today? Doing really well. Uh, don't sell yourself short, Gunner. Just a little different. Just a little different experience with the Gunner experience, but we're doing well here, fellas. The Gunner, sun is shining. Uh, uh, happy to see your faces. Let's do this. Let's do it. Let's do it. Gunner, have you uh, ever punched anyone? Mm, nope. Been punched. Uh, well, actually, like a little, like I handed out a retaliatory blow after a not great uh, okay. outing by myself. So, uh, yeah, not even in that respect. Uh, not not going to land up the kipper there or stand up. Okay. Well, that's a tough, tough uh, bar to set or to, sorry, to, to jump over kipper, obviously. Uh, a couple of tilts in the NHL. Just a few. Um, yeah. So, fellas, uh, it is draft day in the National Hockey League. The Montreal Canadiens picking first overall tonight in Montreal. The uh, the NHL world has gathered in Quebec in excitement for this tonight. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on heading into this evening, where the Leafs are at? Do you expect any action, or just like some guy you've never heard of gets picked and we move on? Well, I actually want to first start with the top of the draft, and I, you know me, born. I I don't always wear it, but there's not too often a tinfoil hat that far away from me. And I would just say, if if I were putting on my tinfoil hat, I'd say, boy, isn't it convenient that the Montreal Canadiens land the first overall pick in their home arena and they don't want to say who's going to go. Ooh, who could it be? Would the league be happy that they're doing that and jitting up interest for the draft? So I, uh, I have to get that in there. In terms of the Leafs, I expect nothing of consequence tonight from from them. I think it's going to be you, I don't think you're seeing like a big Jake Muzzin trade or anything like that. The guy who they take at 25, I can't imagine a world where, I. well actually I was about to say I can't imagine a world where they trade. I wouldn't be shocked if they did the thing they did in the Dermot draft where they trade down, you know, 10 spots or whatever to try to get a little more draft capital because we know how how empty that that part of their their regime has been for a while there. So I could see something like that, but yeah, there's not going to be some big sexy guy at 25 or some faller, I don't think. Uh, just some guy we've never heard of and maybe in two and a half years, he's Matthew Nice. <laughs> so uh, I, I love the draft. But, you know, it's kind of in the Twitter era, it's kind of been ruined. Like, I look at the, I look at like the NBA draft and I always used to get so excited for that. And then Woj is like putting out like the first seven. I picks. know. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's like, well, come on. So like, I, I like, I like the draft for the, it's always just exciting to see these kids' dreams come true. I know that sounds corny, but them to like get to put on the sweater for the first time, they're there with their family, the big hug with the mom and dad who have sacrificed so much. I love that. But yeah, I don't awesome. know. Is it, when it, when it comes to, when it comes to the Leafs, is it too much to ask for like a big right shot 
D-Man from the dub. Could that happen one time? <laughs> like, 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 maybe not another, you know, 5'10 right shot guy from Finland. Like, could we maybe have a, a big defenseman that's going to play on the World Junior team? Is that too much to ask? Like, yeah. I just, it's the, this regime is like, hey, guess what? They've done some good drafting or whatever. Like, I, I you know, I, I understand that what their sort of policy is. Take the best available. Hope you develop. Like, I understand the, pol- the policy. But let's go outside the norm today. How about, yeah. uh, you know, Jimmy Connor or something. I don't yeah. know. Jimmy Connor from the from like Lethbridge. here's Steve right. Johnson. His favorite food is <laughs> yeah. steak and his favorite color is black. <laughs> he's yeah. never Shoot seen right, the offensive hard. zone. Yeah, he has never seen <laughs> yeah. the offensive zone before in his life. He's actually scared of it. We're working on it. Yeah. So that's uh, that's my only that's my only quibble with the Leafs drafting over the last little bit, but I, I really do love the draft. I'm looking forward to it tonight. Oh, I remember uh, the year I remember the year Amarov went, and I was texting with you when that was happening, McKee, and you were, I can't even remember who the guy was. I think it was like Caden Ghoul or something like that. No, no, uh, no. Munch- wasn't it Braden Schneider? It was Braden yes, Schneider. Yes, that's who it was. That Somebody next, got snapped up a couple up playing, years. And, and ended up playing big minutes for the Rangers in the playoffs, so maybe not <laughs> the worst idea by me. No, it's just, it's funny. This has been a long, long-standing gripe of yours. And I, I look, you know me. I have belief in the Dubas regime. I think the things they are doing make a lot of sense. But would I hate to see a six foot four right shot D who doesn't skate like the wind but can crush people into oblivion? Yeah, I wouldn't mind it, to be perfect. Ah, uh, the Leafs have drafted Keegan Middleton or whoever it was and those type of guys before. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it is funny, though, because... Do you want to see the team draft Bruno Caboclo? Bruno Caboclo, you know the guy who's two years Caboclo? away from being two yeah. years away. Caboclo, yeah. Is that is that what we want? Uh, you know, because that's what it's been for the Leafs is grabbing these guys who you hope with time are high ceiling guys, and that that's what makes the most sense. Take flyers and guys who can make a real difference rather than getting a game, you know, into into a hundred games in their career in the first few years. Yeah, I think you yeah, do want, I, like, I, I totally understand prioritizing the high ceiling, especially for this this team. But having said that, the reason they're in the spot right now that they're in, and I think it's been a little overstated, but it's because they haven't been able to have those guys who come up. And maybe they're not ever going to get into your top six, but by the age of 22, they've worked their way into the NHL. And, you know, Nick Robertson, who knows? Like, I, I think we all kind of forget how young he is still. But, you know, who knows what's going to happen with that. But there's a world where if Nick Robertson doesn't have the ceiling he has, but he's just a guy who can skate around, throw the odd hit, get involved, and he's in your lineup, it, it could have helped with the cap crunch a little bit. So it, that's, that's the kind of, you know, double-edged sword there. So yeah. I went to, I went to um, Sammy Cosentino's mock draft for the, uh, for the upcoming draft, and I was just going to see who he has the Leafs taken. And here's what he says. A trade back is very likely. Great. Exciting. So we now cheer for the Patriots without the championships. Uh, (laughs) uh, A trade back is likely here for a Leafs team without a second round pick this year and next. Furkus, though, this guy's name is Jagger Furkus. Jagger Furkus walks into a room and shoots a puck like he's six foot two, 200 pounds, even though he's listed at 5'10", 150. That sounds like, like, this is a perfect pick for Dubas. He's like, he, he shoots hard like he's big, but he's small. That's like the perfect pick. I just, Jaeger Furcus is the name the computer generates in like an old video game where they like don't have the rights for the actual NBA <laughs> roster or something. <laughs> never mind, so, never mind an old video game. That is the name generated to upset Sam McKee. That's the exact opposite of Keith <laughs> Sanderson or whoever we were talking about earlier. But he is—he does play for the Moose Jaw Warriors, the WHL. So 
that's got that going for him. Yeah, you do like that. Well, yesterday, Kyle Dubas uh, addressed the media ahead of the draft tonight in Montreal, kind of setting the stage for where things are at. With the Leafs, um, there's a number of players of of interest that they've been talking about. Uh, Sammy, you just want to run through the clips as we got them here. Start with Jack Campbell, and we'll talk about each guy as, as Dubas weighs in. Yeah, perfect. Sounds good to me. All right, let's start with yeah, Jack. Continue Campbell. to speak to, to Jack. Obviously, it's no secret that uh, you know, goaltending is a priority for us, and we'll continue to uh, to speak with with he and his people as we uh, go through the coming week here. Obviously, it's getting close to decision time for everybody, and um, uh, and especially for Jack, because it's a it's a life uh, life altering event, and so we'll uh, continue to speak with them here this week and through the weekend, and and uh, be well prepared going into next week for where we want to go with it. So I hear a guy, you know, in those conversations where they don't want to burn the bridge with Jack because you're not really sure what's out there, right? Like, I'm Mm -hmm. sure they're talking with him and trying to keep him close and whatever. But the greater statement about letting him get to being a free agent is the statement. You know, as much as you stay in touch with a guy, now you're going to have to outbid teams. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Gunnar? That tells you everything you need to know. I mean, this there. it sounds to me like really nothing has changed since the second the season ended. Obviously, you know, I don't think Dubas had his mind made up the second the clock struck zero and the lightning are moving on, but you go back to his comments at the very first availability. It wasn't a, we would love to have Jack back. There is nothing more we would want. We feel he's a really important part of our team. It's always been this arm's distance. Hey, buddy, hey. I'd love to, it's, it's almost like that friend who like can't commit to making plans. He's like, I want to be involved. I don't want to be committal on this, though. And that's what it's felt like this whole time. If they're going to let him get to UFA, some team, just looking at the options out there, we know the smoke around the Oilers and everybody like that. Somebody's Devils. going to make an Devils. Somebody's going to make an offer that you don't want to. Let's say there's a world where Campbell is sitting there going, you guys get uh, treat me like an RFA. You get a chance to match any deal I go get. That's how much I want to be here. There's no world where the deal he gets as a UFA is one that the Leafs want to want to match or want to equal. So him getting there effectively feels like it's done to me, honestly. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. And you know, it's crazy, Sammy. Somewhere in our group chat yesterday, you shared uh, Dubas weighing in on Peter Mrazek. Uh, and basically saying he's done everything we've asked of him this off season. You know, do I think he's more likely to be the nine ten save percentage guy he was over his career prior to coming here, or the guy he was last year? He's probably the original guy. You know, like he really talked up Mrazek like a guy he wasn't sending into the sun on a rocket. <laughs> so a couple things just to go back for sure, and a couple things just to go back to uh, Campbell. I. <laughs> The, the thing that he said in that press, that little that clip we played that's most interesting to me is the part where he said uh, it's like the biggest decision of his life, you know? Like having – like kind of putting the onus back on him, like the great unknown. It's a very big decision. Like you got to make a big decision here. It's like we're comfortable. You know us. Like you know what yeah. this kind of decision you is You want to go here. live in New Jersey? I, <laughs> well, like the thing Edmonton? that terrifies me and like as a Leaf fan is, is the Edmonton thing. Like it really – like, that has the potential to work out, you know? Like, you send in another guy there, another cast off that, like, of this team. Like, they sent Hyman there, who was a great member of the Leafs, who was, you know, heart and soul guy, got away, went there. Now you're going to have Jack Campbell, who's this fan favorite, guy who played well for the Leafs, had his moments of horrible play as well. Don't get me wrong, but, like, he's a pretty beloved Leaf. Like, let's not, like, the soup stuff. And having another 
guy that was beloved in Toronto go have success at Edmonton, and I could definitely picture success there. It's a, it's a scary feeling for me as a fan, and I'm sure for Dubas too, like another Canadian market where he gets lots of coverage, playing with Connor, like that part of it does really terrify me, I have to admit. That is really interesting because so often we think of that on the other side of things, right? A GM doesn't want to make a bad deal with Toronto or let a player walk to Toronto because it's going to be the be-all and end-all, and it's going to be the only thing that ever gets talked about. Edmonton is one of the few teams, one because of McDavid, two because of Canadian market, they can suck up nearly as much oxygen. You can easily see a world where if Campbell goes and has a great year for the Devils, yeah, it's going to get rubbed in Dubas's face or it's going to look like a failure to not bring him back. But it's probably going to be for a Devils team that's middling. Maybe they're getting in the playoffs. If Campbell goes and has a great season for the Oilers, they're winning the Stanley Cup. Like, that's a very real possibility. This isn't a, this isn't a, what do they need? They need some D and they need some saves. And they weren't able to get the second last, or in the playoffs. And it's just, you can easily see a world where Jack Campbell's skating around with Lord Stanley's mug. And once again, we're sitting here doing the thing. And also, McKee, how dare you forget Leaf legend Tyson Berry in that mix. of, of Oh, and, and Cody Ceci. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. Cool. It, it is crazy, though, just looking at the, some of the most beloved Leafs over Dubas' tenure, Kadri. Connor Brown, Connor. Zach Connor. Hyman, like Jack yeah. Campbell could be next as a guy who, you know, really well regarded here. Um, another guy who has like a little cult following that could be on, well, is on the way out is Ilya Mikheyev. Uh, he also weighed in on him a, a little bit yesterday. And I'm, uh, you know, I, maybe not in the same class of players, but, you know, people have some love for soup. Let's, let's hear what, what Dubas had to say on Mikheyev. Unfortunately, it's very public, uh, the state of talks there. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Anything can change. You never want to totally close it off. But, it, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And if not, it's been a great three years for him in Toronto. And it's a great story for us of a player that came as a free agent. And um, we'll look to, to cash in. And, uh, you know, using you know, the resources that we had. And he, he put in great effort returning from injury. And obviously had a great season here with us. So it's great for him. And... We'll continue to stay in touch with them in case uh, the market changes. I think he's mad that got out, eh? Yeah, but he's mad that got out. He's like, unfortunately, it's very public. Like, that's a message to, like, Dave in accounting who knew and tattled or something, told the public. Like, he's not (laughs) happy that's out, eh? Well, he, that's been his M.O., right? We go back to, we go back to I forget what the snafu was at the deadline, but there was, a, there, was a, there was an issue there. But Oh, it was about Nyes getting out, and, and was he on the mm. table for with Flurry or anything mm-hmm. like that? This is being a and bit Hagel. of a, a, yeah. a thing with Dubas, that he really wants to keep it tight. And it's so funny that we always go to the, oh, did they make the wrong decision, Lou Dubas? And it's like the one thing Dubas clearly took away from Lou is, Keep your mouth shut and don't rat on your friends. Like, that is the yeah. clearest day thing that he took from him. In terms of Mikheyev, like, he is good as gone. If, if the seasons were flipped, if he had this year, last year, and yeah. the year he had last year, this year, there's a world where, ah, let's figure it out. Let's find the right AAV and right term. He's gone. He's going to go make four million bucks, four and change for somebody. Depending on the team, they're almost certainly not going to like it. Good luck to him. Good leaf. Yeah. But here's the thing. The other thing is, and I'm so defensive of this team, but... 
if you're looking for a player who did not have the right mix, the right moxie, the right attitude, whatever it was in the playoffs, that's one of those guys. You know, he's part of a really effective third line for you. And when it got tougher, it got heavier. Not to say he wilted away or he was gone, but he couldn't match Tampa. And and it's like that's the areas where you do need to find that little extra edge. So I'm not going to say I'm happy to see him go far, far from it. But when you're when you're looking at the way things can change, that just seems like such an easy place to do it. And, and there's just no way they can afford to pay him that. So, yeah, he's gone. He he had he had two playoff goals in his career, uh, and they were both in the empty net, and they were both in the same game against Tampa. So, um, <laughs> I uh, I wrote about these. I, I liked him a lot, and there was moments this year where, like, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, boy, how are they going to trade away money to to keep Mikheyev? Because like, like, we watch every game this year, fellas. There was definitely games where he was one of their best four forwards. Like, multiple yeah. games. Like, in the 10s to 15 games where he was really, really, really effective. But, like, playoff performances sour any sort of goodwill you have. And you're right. Like, good player. But, you know, his his agent, Milstein's putting it out there that he wants four and a half, five. I really have a hard time believing he's going to get that. Like, no. I really, really do. But even, but like, even if he gets three and a half, it's too much for the Leafs. Like, the Leafs can't afford to pay him anything. But it really does come down to... I guess somebody getting desperate, but like I don't know. I I would be really surprised if he got close to five million. Oh, his number starting with four. I uh, it'll be yep. uh you know four by four and change. You know one of those seventeen eighteen million dollar contracts would be my guess. The um, you know I wrote about Yessi uh, Puljujarvi yesterday um on the website and guys that. I call them locomotive-style players because they, they drag the play to the right end of the ice. Either, whatever line they're on, that line, he pulls them to the right end of the ice, and that's Mikheyev. Mm. Mikheyev was behind only Matthews, Marner, and Bunting in terms of the some of the shot attempt metrics, Corsi in particular. Yeah. Um, however, like that bears out, though. Watching the games, that bears out. But he can't... Yeah. That, like, that... When you watch the games, it's like, wow, that guy carries a play. And then he can't shoot in the net. Although he well, did it 20 it. times, but... I know, but that Sammy, he's so dependent on that like shooting luck. The year before, he still drove play the same way. And what he scored eight times, and it was like this guy has no poise. He's got no finish. It can't go in for him. You know, we've had years where Michael Grabner gets thirty, then Michael Grabner gets six, then he gets thirty. Like that's Mikheyev, that's Puljujarvi, that's you know a little bit Zach Hyman. To be honest, he's better than those guys. I would say around the net, but you know, not an offensive guy. Just plays at the right end of the rink a lot. So yeah, someone's going to get a high, very guy in Mikheyev and a lot of guys will say we don't care we just want our team to play more on the other end that's great maybe that's a fit for New Jersey guys like Hughes and Heashier who could use a little more offensive time but yeah for for the Leafs uh, you don't want to be paying four and a half million dollars a year just to you know just to, to have a guy who might score might not he needs a couple of bounces well one one last thing on on him too is that he he is the type of guy who and I feel like you're the one who who made this point to be born he's got a little capping in him not in that they're similar players but in that it doesn't really matter who he plays with and so are you going to take a player who you're gonna pay four four two whatever it ends up being that can't play in your top six because he again he's a very useful player but he's useful in the fact that he is just flying up and down his wing. This isn't a guy who's got great vision or is opening up things for his line mates. So if you're a team that can afford to pay that guy and have him be what he was on this third line, great. You love it. But most teams need to have a guy like that that can at least occasionally kind of get in the top six. And not to say he can never play there, but he doesn't compliment or make players better around him. He just kind of does his thing. He makes it easier for other love guys, that. but yep. he doesn't really change it. 
Yep. And the last thing is, is that uh, it's just, we don't need to get into our thoughts on the salary cap of the NHL, but this is a guy that the Leafs, you know, found, yeah. brought over, mm-hmm. developed, did all the stuff with, and they just have to let him go. And Kyle Dubas slept overnight, overnight so in his hotel room. Into this guy. I, yeah. I tell like they just, people they, all the they time. They about this guy, and off he goes. Like everyone talks about the, you know, what the Lightning have done in the salary cap era, it deserves to be talked about in like much higher regard. My dad talks about his Island Islanders teams. They didn't know what each other were making. Like they had some idea, but like, you know, rumors, oh, I heard that, you know, Trotz is getting 600 or, you know, wow, you know, like, you know, guys didn't know. You just were all, you were a player on the team and it was like, you know, you kind of kept it to yourself. I don't know. It was a, a, a different scenario where you could just keep your players you by paying them more. Sounds like a nice luxury. Uh, Sammy, do you want to do, do yes. this on the Lightning or get to Sandine next? No, we should do Sandine. All right. Let's, let's do uh, Dubas on the future of Rasmus Sandine. With Rasmus Sandine, and I, I, I put he and Timothy Lilligren both in the same spot, they're massive parts of our, of our future. I mean, they're significantly younger than the other full-time members of our defense corps. And we need them to continue to take steps. With, with in Rasmus's case, one of the major focuses on trying to set him up to to continue to be healthy all the way through the year, and, and putting the proper resources into him to arm him to do that. And that's really uh, our focus with him. Obviously, supremely talented player, very competitive. We need him to continue to take the the, the steps that that we need for him to assert himself not only to an every-night player, which he largely had become before he was injured in Nashville, but to become a, a top player in our group, especially as our, as our players age ahead of him. So that's our major focus with him, and our only focus with him is we see he and Timothy as both massive parts of it moving ahead. I got uh, some static yesterday on Twitter. So I t- they shared that last clip that uh, him and Timothy are big parts of this group. And, I'm, you know, reading that, I don't actually care about it. But it's just like, if I'm Sandine, it's like, why am I always Rasmus and Timothy? Yeah. Sandine and Lilligren. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't care about this 100%. guy. You know, so so from the same country as me, we're comparable ages. Don't we're different people. I got nothing to do with that guy. Quit lumping us in together. I would just be frustrated if I were him. Like we are not part of the least plan. Either I am, and he is separately, or what are we doing here? Well, and it it kind of made sense when they were a pair, and it's like, hey, this great young pair, and they can rise up through. They can be. They are starting as your third pair. Then they can be your second pair. One day, hopefully, that's your top pair. But he ain't playing with them anymore. That that Lilligren staple to Mark Giordano is for the foreseeable future. I, I'm with you there. And man, I, I got to be honest, like this is a, this is a really weird or not weird, but it's an interesting situation for the Leafs because you never just want to hand a player ice time and say, okay, here's your job. You don't have to do anything to protect it. It's yours, but you do need to, especially for a guy like first round pick, you think really highly of there has to be a roadmap for him to improve his standing on the team. And you just look at that left side and look, it's not a problem to have too many good players until now when this guy is in seems like year four of saying okay I'd like a role like I I don't want to roll sometimes I would like a role on this team and I've proven I'm capable of one you know you just look at that left side there's no there's no space for him if he rolls over to the right side I don't know there's space for him either because of Hall and the aforementioned his bestie Timothy Lilligren there I I don't know what you do and that's the that's the conundrum this team is in right now if if I'm if I'm Sandine, the one that I'm very pissed about is Giordano. 
Like, I understand, like, Giordano, like, they signed him, you know, right after they got put out of the playoffs. And, like, I, I mean, that was definitely for some goodwill after another first oh, yeah. exit. Worked like, on me. There's no, there's no, there's no lying. Like, that is definitely what that, they're like, get, get something good out there. Get Giordano. Everyone likes Giordano. Get him signed. But, like, the fact that they just, like, got that done immediately before they even thought of Sandine, and this is still wow. happening with Sandine. Like, Sandine, you know, like, listen, Sandine is better than Giordano. It's like, Sandine, when, on his best day, is better than Giordano. He's all, he's oh. up there with my, like, this kid, it's true, though. Like, listen, like, Giordano, we saw him at the end, like, he, he's a serviceable bottom pair, mid-pair guy now. That's what he is. He's getting paid like it. That's what he is. But Rasmus Sandine has the potential to be the best left-shot D-man on the team. Like, he's, like, when he's on his day, like, he can be up there with Riley, like, he's a great player. But, like, he just – he was hurt. He didn't have the opportunities. And now he doesn't have a chance to show it, really. Like, who is he going to play ahead of? It's, yeah, but you know what? I, if it, I'm Dubas, if I'm Dubas, I'm like, I'm sick of hearing this. Earn it. Go be better then. Okay, you're better. Like, go be better. We don't owe you anything. You know, we don't have to give you a chance. Take it. Make us play you. Like, I think there's some frustration between, like, you got to give the young guys a chance – and, you know, how about the young guys earn their chance? You know, think, the old so, and the new there. And I sense some frustration. Do, do we have that little three-second clip ready there, Santos? He got asked about a potential offer sheet, and I right. sense some frustration. Let's play that clip. Uh, if there's going to be an offer sheet, the sooner the better so we can make our decision to move on. That's the most, like, a big boy comment I've ever heard from Dubas. Like, he was pissed off getting asked about it. And, like, I sent some yeah. frustration with, on, from both sides with Sandine. There's that, no doubt. Like, Kipper also... was talking about it from the, from the day after they finished the season. Like, he, like, this has been a thing. Like, there's definitely some frustration. But I think you got to be patient and you got to get him some opportunity because I think he's really good. I really yeah. do. That offer sheet will come, that, that clip right there guarantees the offer sheet will come September 7th or, or something along those yeah, lines yeah, yeah. from Lou Lamorello. <laughs> but the thing, the thing I would say, and I agree, I agree with you, Bourne, in that you don't want, you do not want a world where it's just like, okay, go ahead, have at it. Uh, you're, you're a top four guy. You never Learn have to do on the job. It's an internship. The only thing I'd say about that is there were definitely times this year and look, Muzzin rebounded well, and he was much better than I would have expected when we finally saw him back at the end of the season. But there were times where Jake Muzzin was scuffling, 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 and I'm sure Sandine was hurt for parts of that as well. But there were times where there was no world where Muzzin was a better option on that side than Sandine was. But because of the contract, because of term, partially because he wears a letter, I'm sure, respect in the room, all of those things. I think if you're Sandine, you're saying, but I did. And then you kept going, yeah, ah, but yeah, we need yeah. to get Jake right, which is fair. Jake Muzzin is a really important player for this team if he's Jake Muzzin. But there were times this year where he was nothing close to that, and Sandine's sitting there going, I'm, I'm on the left side. I, 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 could, yeah. I could do that role right now. I also think there's some frustration that they're up against the salary cap and anyone dares grind them for another nickel yes. right now because, you know, that wasn't part of the plan. Oh, yeah. um, we are now joined <laughs> by uh, Sportsnet NHL writer, our man on the beat, Luke Fox. Luke, uh, I assume you're at the draft. How are things going in Montreal? Yeah, I, I mean, it's a gorgeous city, right? And it's, it's so awesome that the first draft after two years of Zoom drafts is in Montreal, and the host city has the number one pick. So the buzz here is great. Um, got in just in time to see the GMs let out of their, their meetings. Yesterday, I got to ask Dubas some questions. He, he was grilled pretty good. Um, and it's just awesome scene, you know, the whole 
hockey world's here, tons of media, all the GMs holding scrums, lots of little nuggets of news. So it's, uh, it's a good time to be here. What was your uh, takeaway from your conversation with Dubas, the questions he was asked and answers? What were your initial thoughts on, on how he seemed heading into to this event? Uh, yeah, I, I think he's he's under the gun. He seems to welcome the pressure, but uh, he, he was asked, like, do you feel like your job is is on the line more heading into this season than other seasons, which, um, you know, it's quite a bold thing to, to ask a guy to his face, right? But he said, you know what, that's a fair question. He's like, we haven't had the results, he said, but I, I feel my job's online every season. But it's pretty hard to ignore the fact that, you know, there, there were some people surprised that this whole regime is getting another shot at it in the fall. And, and I think there's a lot of pressure to get it right this time. You know, he was talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning and, you know, he's like, there's been sleepless nights and no, I don't take any solace in the fact that we pushed – uh, a team that was two wins away from winning the cup again to, to seven games, and we had a good series. We have to be that team that wins, and and I think he he feels that. And these decisions are tough, and there's hardly any wiggle room. Like he he kind of bristled when, when uh, the topic of Rasmus Sandin came up. You know, he was lumping him in with with Timothy Lilligren and, and talking about you know by him doing that, that made me think he wants to get him signed to the same contract as Lilligren, and obviously. Sandine wants a little bit more. And I asked them, you know, how concerned are you about an offer sheet? Because you could only surrender a, a second-round pick if you offered Sandine something over 2.1 to 2.1 to 4 type range. And it's like, you know, if you're a rival GM, why wouldn't you consider that? This is a, an emerging young asset. And he said, you know what, if, if there's going to be an offer sheet, I want it sooner than later so we can make our decision to move on. And that was a pretty sharp comment, I, I thought, because that just tells you that, that things are a little prickly. Um, you know, I, I don't think the team doesn't want Sandy, and I think they do, and they actually need guys on those cheap entry-level deals. But there is a little bit of tension there. Yeah, you, you can you can feel it. And, uh, you know, we know NHL GMs just love helping each other out all the time, so I'm sure they'll line up and get that ready and sort it out for Dubas so he can get the rest of his work done uh, this offseason. <laughs> Has, has the team made a mistake in their handling of, of Sandine? We know he's had some injury troubles along the way and stops and starts, and it, it seems like every time he finds a foothold on the team or he's really hitting his stride, there's a minor bumper bruise or he has to come out of the lineup. And it just seems to me when you're looking at this core, I am sky high on Sandine. I really, really like him, but it feels like he is just blocked. You know, they've tried the thing of moving him around to the right side to see if it's a little easier to get him in the lineup that way. You look at the lefty they have under contract in Geo, Muzzin, and Riley. We know Brody obviously flips back and forth. He can go both ways uh, in terms of, in terms of D there. What do you think? Like, do you think this team has made a mistake with their handling of Sandine? And you don't want to hand a guy a spot on the team, but I do think you need to give him, you know, a roadmap or a way to wiggle his way into the into being a stable part of the top six. Yeah, and he's a really confident kid, right? Like, he, he has high ambition. He thinks highly of himself, and I, I love that about him. He's actually one of the, the more fun leaps to, to talk to because he, you know, even though he hasn't established himself as an everyday player in the NHL yet, he carries himself like he belongs. And he, he felt like he needed to belong like a year before he even made the team. Um, like th this, this is a confident young man, and and I really like that about him. I just don't see where he fits because I I don't know if you guys remember they tried 
uh, Sandine on the right side with Morgan Riley one game, mm-hmm. and it was a disaster. <laughs> and it, Not honestly, I don't know what they were, but they they were definitely on the ice for a bunch of goals against. And uh, after the game, I asked Sheldon Keefe, I was like, do, do you think uh, the Sandine uh, uh, Riley experiment is going to continue? And he's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like he, shot, he shot it right down. And usually coaches are like, oh, well, we'll, yeah, we'll take a look at it. <laughs> Let's stick with it. It's only one game. So, okay, so given that he struggled on the right side, how did you get on to the left side over Riley Muzzin and now Giordano. I, it's just unless there's an injury, I, I don't I don't see it. You're not going to healthy scratch Mark Giordano who took a pay cut to to hang around. I know somebody who it, would. Or or you or you tell Sandine you got to spend the summer working it on learning to play your offside. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was a really good observation that by lumping them together, he's trying to get them on the same deal. We see them the yeah. same. They're the same, you know, young guy, similar situation, trying to earn a spot. So why not 1.4 for him? Um, yeah, that's almost definitely what's going on there. Um, well, while we're picking apart salary cap stuff, you know, Peter Mrazek's contract has been like, okay, how are they going to do it? Do this? Are they attaching a pick? Are they buying him out? And then, ugh. Kipper dropped the, ah, they might just keep him and play him card on us the other day. What are your thoughts on the goaltending situation and what's most likely? Yeah, it's that's a fascinating one. So yesterday, Dubas was very, uh, he was pumping Mrazic's tires. Like he, he was saying how good he's been in the offseason. He's been really communicative and, uh, and he was praising him for always facing the media after he had a bad outing. And he's like, I'm going to bet on this. A lot of practice. Gonna, yeah. It, it, oh, uh, if I'm going to bet on, the, on on this guy, I'm going to bet that he's going to be the the guy he the nine ten save percentage guy he was before he was with the Leafs, not the eight 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 guy he was in the twenty games in Toronto. And so, by framing it that way, is he trying to convince himself that the goalie market is so thin, and and maybe this guy is actually going to bounce back for us, or? Is he using, you know, his time in front of the microphone to try and pump this guy up and convince other GMs that they might want to take a chance that this guy's going to have a resurgence? I just worry about Mrazic's health. I mean, three groin injuries in one season, and those are things that you, you have and you get over it and you move on. It's, it, that's a recurring injury, especially for goalies. So I, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if he can be, be trusted. I don't think he can, but the and uh, it's funny. I, I keep saying the longer this goes on, uh, free agency has not started and the draft is tonight, so it really has not gone on that long. But the longer this goes, it does. I am. It does feel like just kind of reading the tea leaves, getting the vibe of the team, whatever way you want to put it. I think. I think it's more they're preparing themselves for the possibility that he's back as opposed to this guy will be one half of the goaltending tandem. I can see a world, you know, I, I obviously they do have a first round pick tonight. I can easily see a world where they try to trade back a couple of spots, maybe get a second round pick, something else. And then maybe that's the asset they move as the sweetener there to, to get out of the Morazic deal. I still think that's in play, but I, I do wonder if they want to see how the goaltending market shakes out, but it's just, it is such a tricky spot to be in when you just have nobody else to, to count on. I mean, if it's not going to be Campbell, I, I really don't know what it's going to be. The, I, looking at the free agent market, I really do wonder if they're going to explore a trade, and I just don't know that that, that guy's even out there. It, it, it's a tough league to be a GM in, but man, he, he's definitely backed himself into a corner a little bit in terms of goaltending here. 
Yeah, the, it's it's really thin, and the chairs will get snatched up fast. Like if you look, uh, oh, you know, in past off seasons, once the goalie carousel starts pinning, it happens fast, and then you and you're forced to make a quick decision. And I think that's a little bit what happened with Dubis last summer when he was like, "Well, we got to get a guy. We know the name Mrazek. Um, yeah, okay, it's going to take three three years instead of two years, but we got to get someone. We just lost Freddie." Uh, and and it's going to happen. It's going to happen fast. I mean, already this week, Casey DeSmith, um, who was um, heading towards UFA, re-signed in Pittsburgh, and he was a guy kind of, you know, a tier two type of guy that I thought maybe the Leafs would would take a look at. But these chairs are are going to go fast. Like who's left? Mark Andre Fleury is still making a decision. He might still end up staying with the Wild. Darcy Kemper, the Leafs have had interest in him in the past. But if you're worried about that Jack Campbell's going to cost too much, how much is a guy who just won the Cup going to cost? And, you know, there's definitely interest on Joe Sackick's part in bringing him back, so we're not even sure if he's going to get to UFA. And then Billy Huso, I mean, yeah, you know, he had a great stretch in the regular season, but when push came to shove, he lost the starter's job in the most meaningful time of the year back to Jordan Bennington. He just doesn't have enough games in the league. He's a bit of an unproven commodity. Um, and, and then that's about it. Like when, if you have and then you start looking at the trade market. So um, it's, it's really dicey right now. And it doesn't sound like things are very warm and cozy between Campbell and the Leafs. It sounds like he's, he's heading to market. Luke, are there any Toronto Marlies that you could see taking spots on the, on the roster for cheap next year? Uh, I guess Nick Robertson would be top of the list. Um, yeah, you know he, he's a he's a driven kid. I think they've handled him a little bit incorrectly. Um, you know, and I, I think probably in his mind, after he got into the bubble playoffs, he's probably thinking, okay, I made it. Like I need yeah. to be in the NHL. And then he passed up an opportunity to go win a gold medal with Team USA at the World Juniors because his sole focus was I want to be a leaf. I want to make the NHL. And he's just had really crummy luck with injuries. Like I, I feel bad for the guy. Um, but I, I do question how they've developed him. I didn't really like how they brought him up that mid season. And the more I think about it, I, it feels like it was a, a showcase. Um, so I, I, I think, but he's such a, a driven guy that I think he will put in a good summer and I think he'll have a good camp. And, and Dubas actually said, he didn't single out Robertson, but he said, there are spots available, he told um, a handful of Marlies. You have the summer of your life, come in and snatch that. And that's what you want to see, especially a team that is so hard up against the cap. You need guys on their entry level to make an impact. Um, and with McKayev going out the door, I think the left wing in particular is a spot where Marley could grab that. And I'd have Nick Robertson as the front runner, but let's see if he grabs it. Yeah, Robertson's such an interesting case, right? He has had opportunities, but like you said, it's it's almost a much lesser version of the Sandine thing, that every time it feels like there's a chance, ah, there's an injury that, that seems to pop up. I, I, I'm i not saying he will not. I think he'll get a look. I think he'll definitely be there. I don't think the team can afford to bank on anything from Nick Robertson. Now, you're right. They need some of these guys to come up and steal jobs. You know, I look at a guy like Joey Anderson. He's been poking around. He got in a couple of games last year. This is These are not guys that are going to be difference makers, but you do need guys, and I'm only saying that because our producer is shaking my head at me for even bringing him up, but you need these guys who are your 14th, 15th forwards to be able to get in a handful of games and actually occasionally prove 
that you're more than that. That's what like we all we always talk about Tampa and all oh, the bottom six or the the top six that they've got. They're they're amazing top end talent. The third line they do an amazing job filtering these guys through the bottom of their lineup. And again, I'm not don't don't take this as me saying Joey Anderson will have a job, but they need a guy like that. One of them at, at some point in this window has to kind of come up and surprise people. And outside of like you said, Mikheyev, I, I just don't know that that's really happened with anybody. No, you're you're absolutely right. They need it, but you, I don't think you're off base with Joey Anderson. Dubis has mentioned him in particular as a guy that he is tabbed um, as a potential guy to to crack the lineup. And I mean, it, you're kind of just hoping and, and praying at, the, at this point. But you do need someone to be a late bloomer. Like, look at Justin Hall was on a track where you thought this guy's just going to be a lifelong AHLer, and then something clicked, and he's you know, established himself as an NHLer. I mean, you know, it, it can happen, but yeah. the, the Leafs need it. And what the, the problem is, they've been so all in the last few years that they keep subtracting from that pool, right? Mason Marchment, Sean Dursey. I know Sammy loves him. Like they, they, they've subtracted from those some of those guys that would have come up and popped because they are like, we need established guys to help right now, um, and it, and we're starting to see the the cost of that these days. Well, Luke, this show is a giant fan of Curtis Douglas. We got to get yes. Punchy Douglas in the mix. Um, <laughs> that, that's our hope for next year for, for the bottom of the Leafs lineup. Uh, thank you for your time and all your insights, buddy. Uh, enjoy Montreal. Sounds like it's going to be a fun day, fun week for you. Yeah, yeah, it should be fun. Enjoy the draft, guys. All right, thanks a lot. That's Luke Fox, Sportsnet NHL writer, Leafs beat dude. Up. Just what everybody, just what everybody wants to hear on the week before free agency and uh, heading into the draft tonight. You know, I think Joey Anderson's going to contribute next summer, next year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Joey Anderson, Bobby McMahon, Alex Steves, Punchy oh, Douglas. You know, yeah. if you get one of those guys to give you something, oh, I come just on, you come know, on, McKee, that six seven guy comes rolling over the boards, that's, I like that looking guy. tough and mean. You would, you like would, that guy. He, he indented faces this past year and scored a bunch and yeah. killed penalties. Love him. Um, but it is it is going to be fascinating if you just get one of those guys. Like, I've never been a player who is that close. Like, these guys are that close to playing in the NHL. But I've been a player going to college and being worried about finding my spot. And I have, like, a summer, maybe two summers, I remember, truly dedicating myself to hockey. And the strides you can make in three months – it's incredible for kids that age. So you just need one of these guys to just eat lean 3,000 lean chicken breasts a day and just hand, stick handle in the get driveway the until they broccoli, sleep. Boys. <laughs> can, we get, can we get Nathan McKinnon to scream at them on FaceTime? Uh, yeah. He, yeah. He doesn't Chick-pea care about his own pasta. diet anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we should get to break here. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap up some uh, some trade rumors. Matthew Kachuk. We'll talk about the Colorado-Detroit um, documentary that these oh, guys man. watched last night. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. Real gunning and born. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, welcome back to Real Gunning, Real McKee, Real Born. We're all, none of us have any, we're not really worth having fakes of, of us out there. So. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not me. Definitely just, not me. You know, we are what we are. Um, 
You know, the the fellas were talking before the show. I didn't get the chance to see it last night because, uh, you know, T-ball pictures, crucial night for my boy. Uh, but the Colorado-Detroit documentary came to Canada. I feel like we live in Antarctica. Like, oh, we got to see the biggest <laughs> hockey documentary uh, everyone's talking about. What a treat. Uh, tell tell me about it, boy. Should I, am I going to see it or what? You have to see it. It's so, so good. I mean, this, I mean, for anybody who's, you know, any type of hockey fan who was alive then, this is like a borderline formative experience. For me, I just remember, see, there's so many names that I just have not thought about at all since I watched those two teams play each other. Like a guy like Adam Deadmarsh, a guy like a guy like Valerie Kaminsky getting getting Oh yeah. I love Deadmarsh like, too. Oh, I loved both those teams. Like that rivalry, that is just such a, you know, it's like it's funny. I think for a lot of people, Sox and Yankees outside of your baseball team, that's like the rivalry and just before that it was this. Like the NHL was a very regional game. Still kind of is, right? Like we focus on the league at large, but for most people they care about that team or their team. But everybody cared about those two teams, and it was amazing to see. And before I throw it to McKee, the other thing that I, I – and again, this is just a guy who probably wasn't old enough to understand when it was happening. My God, Kaminsky, what a what a player this this guy was. You know, I just look at it as the really sad, sad – story. sorry, Konstantinov. Konstantinov. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, I just remember looking at it as the really sad story and being like, wow, that's terrible. Uh, they showed a four-minute montage of the most bone-crushing hits I have ever seen. <laughs> and so uh, it was good for me to kind of properly respect that guy and it was just it was incredible I mean McCarty involved and Lemieux and Iserman and Sackick and just all the names Forsberg was there it was oh it was incredible it just took me right back and god what what do we have to do I know it's bad and stuff but can we get one of those again <laughs> please blood so, feud <laughs> I yeah the thing my biggest takeaway first of all is you just forget, like, you know, we get into this world of talking about the Leafs and talking about Shanny and, like, as, as like, the overlord of the Leafs, as a guy that we question him sometimes and what he's doing. Eh, sort of all the time on this show. But anyways, he was just such a stud. You know, Warrior. like, as a, as a player, like, you just forget. Like, they talked about, they traded for him the year after the, the first hit by Lemieux. And they, like, that, they said that changed their team. And you just forget, like, him... Got his like neck, his V. It's like the deepest V in a hockey jersey of all time. Like the chest hairs <laughs> popping out. Guy's a tank. Like what a man. he just, it just. I he was like my childhood hero. I just remember thinking like, he was above hockey to me. I'm like, I can't even imagine that guy in the Leafs. Like that if guy, that guy could so take amazing. over our organization and make choices for us, we'd be set forever. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's it's so funny to look at him in the light, and he's really good in it. Like. The stuff that he gives and like, because it's like a lot of front-facing interviews where they interview people involved. Like, it's a classic sports documentary, and he gives lots of good stuff. And the next thing that my biggest takeaway is, Jesus, that hit on Draper was so rotten, filthy. Like, it was just, just so, it was ill-intentioned, so, so rotten. And like, you know, here's the thing: like, they it's based. I won't give away too much, but it's based around Claude Lemieux doing an interview, like this year with McCarty and some Detroit fans and he's talking about it and you could really hear like the regret in his voice he's like things happen fast and like I understand like things do happen fast it's a fast game out there but that's a hard one to there's just no that happened fast he saw the numbers and yeah. put his face into the boards wouldn't you rather him go I made a mistake like you know like yes. I know things happen fast he did fast, say that but... though he did right. say that he's like you know I made a mistake like he's like I wish I could take it back the moment it happened like 
blah, 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 blah. That's, but things that's an back. interesting point, too, because I'll say that I've had that happen in hockey where the second you hit someone in a bad way, you go, ah, didn't oh, mean for that God. to happen. You know, yeah. like, you know, like I kind of lost track of my angles a bit and like I instantly regret throwing that. Part of the instant regret is you're like, ah, now I'm about to wear six fists yeah. from every direction. And, and the wor- the forgotten thing in that whole, like what started the brawl and what they talked about was what Kozlov did to Adam Foote. Which was earlier in that game. I don't remember like, that. Yeah, that's what I mean. I didn't remember it either. But like, he grabbed Adam Foot by the head and like slammed his face like into like one of the old school stanchion glass <laughs> and like chopped them up. And he's bleeding. He's like yelling. It's an. And then the Undertaker jumped off the glass. Yeah, Ever like, forgets that part? <laughs> yeah, like it's just I I will give it a hard ten out of ten. It is yeah. one of the best sports documentaries I've seen in a really long time. It's excellent. And it's just so many big names like Stevie Wise talking, Joe Sackick. Like, they're all involved. Everyone's there. It's We're also the right age, eh? Like, all of yeah, us are, you know. perfect demographic for us. Like, I remember that as being above hockey, like Gunnar mentioned. So it's just, it's a really, really great documentary. And lastly, the Red Wings trainer listing off all of the injuries to oh Draper's face God. was among the most grotesque things that I've ever seen in a yeah. sports doc. And they didn't even show the in- like they didn't really show the injuries. It was just him listing it off. This bone here, you got some cartilage in here, that's gone. And uh, you can still see it a little bit on, on Draper's face. It was it was yeah. awesome. Uh, again, must recommend. Yeah. Who the who are the Leafs going to take tonight, boys? <laughs> yeah, we're in our final minute. I think it's going to be Flurb McNeely from yeah. Fe- I, you know, like I don't know any of these kids. I love that I don't hide behind pretending to know the junior kids as well. I'm like, you once we draft them, I'll get to know all these players. We're, we're going with Robbie Smith from the the Moose Jaw Warriors, right shot, big D man, throwing hits, boys. That's who they're taking. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to watching it. Really exciting day. The, the three of us heading out to Dundas Valley to go. Oh. We're on the first tee in two hours. Uh, <laughs> and we will cover the draft off tomorrow. Looking forward to that, too. This has been uh, Real Gunning, Real McKee, Real Born, Real Santos. We'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks a lot. <laughs>